In this week's episode, we have a giant-sized list of comics to cover, from a handful of number ones and a ton of great final issues from last week, and then a sneak peek preview of the books that come out tomorrow. It's all happening now on Cover B. Christmas. Happy Holly Jolly Cover Me. Oh, I like that. That's cute. It's better than ho, ho, ho dramatic pause. <laughs> what? I was feeling, I don't know, Santa-y? Cause you we're... can't just call our listeners that, do you? What? Oh, see, now that's rude. That's <laughs> offensive. Alright, so we've got a ton to talk about. Um, if you notice that we've delayed the episode, it's because last week was kind of weird. Um, and this week's kind of weird. This week's kind of weird. Uh, admittedly, uh, we have some of the books earlier than we should. Uh, don't hold that against us. <laughs> anyway, um, so last week they effectively did like two weeks worth of comics in one week. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to do a double-sized episode, uh, but we also wanted to be able to get our hands on stuff coming out this week because there's not much um, that we could... Uh, talk to you about so we finagled that our comic um, book like purchase was aggressive last week yeah so the cool thing is is you're going to have a big old episode today um talking about you know all the first issues and all the last issues. last issues that came out last week which there was a ton and as a christmas gift to you we're going to give you a sneak preview of three marvel things um, that are coming in and actually technically don't release until tomorrow. So Boom. you can get a little bit of a preview there. So I mean, technically, comic book shops could be open on Christmas, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the release date, like, they made oh. the release date, like, the 26th. Um, wow. Look at that. Which is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it should have just been the 25th, but I think it was so that, like, if some shops closed down and others didn't, the ones that didn't weren't getting, like, the jump. Well, that stuff, makes sense. You know That's I mean? fair. That seems fair. So, but imagine being open today and being like, hey, I can't put out new comics. I can't sell you your yeah. comics. Anyway, um, so we're just going to dive right into it and buckle up because it's going to be a long haul. <laughs> That's why it's giant size. Yeah, it's a giant size. So right. hopefully it's something you can listen to while you're like bouncing around to various different Christmas dinners and yeah. stuff like that. Doing all of the stuff that is obligatory but also nice. Yeah, hey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So first one that we're going to talk about is the Lolo Woods, Carmen Maria Machado and Joe Hill. It's mm-hmm. another one from the 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 Hill House um, side from D.C. Indeed. Um, I dig it. <coughs> yeah, lot. I really. I So I'm feeling all of the Hill House, Hill stuff. House stuff. And this one. Same. Yeah. This one. Like, I don't know. It just had such a cool vibe. Like, uh, you know, it focuses on these, like, teenagers, and there's something weird going on in their town. Like, it felt like if Welcome to Night Vale was written by John Hughes. Yeah. You know, like, it, it just had this cool, like, teen movie vibe, but then there was, like, a really odd stuff happening. And I really appreciate that we literally are introduced to the weird stuff in Media Res as the book opens. Yeah. Which is 
ballsy. Like, well, that is not something that is usually done. Like, you got to work into the weirdness. And there's some, like, magical realism going on, too, because they, everyone's just kind of, like, blasé about, like, oh, maybe that monster came from the rift in the park. Yeah. It's like, how do you just say that and not, like, look at those words as they float out of your <laughs> mouth and be like, the crap am I saying? <laughs> that this is not is, normal. That's not a normal phrase for someone not. to utter. But they were just like, oh, I don't know, maybe it came out of That was weird. You know, it's like they reacted to strange things in the same way you'd react if you found, like, mold on your toilet. You'd be like, oh, "Oh, maybe I left the seat up. I guess I should do something about that. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, the The plot of this starts with our two um, compatriots waking up in the movie theater, not knowing why they were asleep. Mm-hmm. In a movie theater. And we follow them as they talk about that their town um, was an old mining town that at one point the mines underneath the the area caught fire and just kept burning. Mm-hmm. And the mining company bought some people out and got them to move. and But others just wouldn't leave. And it, it is weird, too, because you have this feeling of, like, if your town underneath is on fire, where things don't work right anymore, and you're in constant danger, you probably just leave. Mm-hmm. But they won't. Yeah. And it's and it's positioned it's like, in that nah. way, like, you see, like, a Hallmark movie where they're like, this is our town, and we want to stay. And they're like, we need to buy back the mine, because they want to sell it to the big pharma. And... I'm assuming that's how Hallmark movies are. Yeah. I don't I don't actively yeah. watch them, admittedly. But we um, got to do it by Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. That is Hallmark. So, like, you get that type of vibe. But, like, it's not that. It's not like, oh, our town's being bought by Big Pharma. It's like, oh, our town is burning internally and going to sink into a hole. Yeah. Like, move. Yeah, and it's go crazy because they, they talk about how, like, you know, it would snow, and the snow would, like, instantly melt when it hit the ground. So, like, the ground's literally hot. Yes! It's burning underneath and, um, them! But it was cool. Yeah, so, and that's the same sort of setup as Silent Hill. So, I got, like, super Silent Hill vibes mm, from this. But it's almost like if Silent Hill was less of, like, a supernatural, mindscaping nightmare <laughs> and more of, like, a 1980s teen comedy. It's like Silent Hill... If it was the type of movie that would cast the Corys. You know what I mean? That's a, yeah. Silent Hill meets <laughs> Lost Boys. <laughs> oh, man, I want to watch that. That yeah. sounds amazing. Silent Boys. No. No. That's, mm. That sounds like a... Lost Hills? Lost Hills. We'll go better. with that. Yeah, that yeah. sounds less... Silent Boys Not great. sounds like a controversial movie that would win an Academy Award. It sounds like a movie you put Brie Larson in. <laughs> Yo, I put Brie Larson in any movie. <laughs> she is wonderful. So that's the Lolo Woods. Um, if you haven't, definitely check that one out. I think it's really cool. It's definitely a cool pick for the horror crowd. But it also <clears throat> isn't super, like, spooky yet. It's just <coughs> weird <coughs> and uncomfortable. And you're like, I don't understand why yeah. you're not leaving. There's a lot of questions yeah. left at the end. And that's that's... That's good. Book we'll keep have you posted if it gets yeah. real spoopy. Uh, so next in the realm of firsts, 
uh, we're going to talk about Suicide Squad number one. So if you've been reading DC Comics for the past few weeks, uh, and I think a couple months or so, they've been running ads for how they're going to bring Suicide Squad back, and it's going to have all these new characters, and blur, deep blur, deep blur. And uh, it for sure does have new characters. And, I mean... <laughs> yeah. It, uh... I mean, kind of. It's interesting because anytime, like, in these superhero books, everything's so, like, engrossed in the superhero-ness. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you gotta think you're talking about a world that is watched over by a Justice League wherein a telepathic, highly powerful telepathic Martian and a man who can literally hear, like, you squeak out an SBD across the coastline. <laughs> like... Those two guys are running this Justice League, and yet they're still, like, super people that we've never heard of. Yeah. Like, sometimes it's a hard... Hard sell. Hard sell. Yeah. Um, this particular group of super people is a... Uh, they're, like, revolutionaries, like, freedom fighters kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, I guess it makes sense, because maybe they've just kept on the fringe, uh, but now they're starting to, like, get a little terroristy. So people they also are seem super young. Yeah. So it's also possible that they were just kids before, yeah. and now they're just reaching the age where they can present their yeah. superness to the public. From what they've shown of a few of them, I like the design. I like the superpower kind of tweaks and whatnot that they've made on some of them. Because um, sometimes it's hard. You know, it's like, I want to make a new superhero. I want him to be fast. Well, that's been done. I want him to be strong. Well, that's been done. So it's it's tough sometimes to come up with a superhero that's kind of unique. Something creative. Um, but, like, for instance, this team has a speedster, but they can only do it in, like, short bursts. Yeah. So they're, like, a sprinter. Not it's a almost kind of like Yo-Yo from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, which was a cool way of, like, redoing the speedster. The speedster, is that yeah. She had to go back to her original point, you know. Um but yeah, it's it, it can be tough, but I feel like they've got a good thing going on. There's, you know, some of them are a little like, okay, they're just, that's a bit done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but they might change up. Uh, the cool thing about this book is how it just completely obliterates characters near immediately. Just instantly. After meeting them, it's like, oh, hey, this one's dead. <laughs> that one's dead. Hey, this one's dead. <laughs> It's almost kind of sad. You're like, yeah. oh, like, you didn't oh, even wow. have time to get a proper existence on the page. Mm -hmm. Sad. Now, here's a spoiler. I apologize for spoiler, but I feel like it needs to be talked about. Amanda Waller quit. Yeah, she's just done with. What? Yeah, she's just done with Task Force X. I mean, I, I'm assuming this is all happening after the Leviathan stuff. So maybe she's just like, yo, I'm done. But like, or maybe she's got other things she's going on too. I don't know. Uh, uh, but okay. I mean, I get it. But like, how are you gonna let the super badass woman of color, super in power, kicking ass, taking names, get replaced by a douchey white dude who nobody likes? Yeah. I don't like it. I he's, don't like it at all. <laughs> He's absolutely awful, too. He I hate this movie. He's the worst! Yeah. What are we doing here? No! Suicide Squad is awesome because it is led by a powerful WOC who don't give a damn, and she's making things happen, and sometimes she could be a total B, but she does it for the right reasons, and now, and now she's just gone. I like, um... I don't like it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I, the thing I took away from this book that I liked the most was how it kind of felt a little bit meta. Like, yeah. there's been a lot of iterations of the Suicide Squad and a lot of Suicide Squad teams. And I feel like Suicide Squad is one of those titles that's just, it's like Green Arrow. It's like constantly going back to number one. Yeah. To the extent where there was like two number ones during the new 52 phase with really? different teams. Yeah, there was oh, two God. volumes of Suicide Squad. And I mean, we're in the quote-unquote rebirth phase now and there's been two. Oh my God. There was one right at the start of rebirth and now there's, there's another, another one. number one. So I feel like Suicide Squad's just constantly getting relaunched. Yeah. Um cuz they get done with it. Yeah, they're just like and then sales tank, but then DC's like, "Hey, we got another movie coming out. Let's revive Throw this out thing." There. Um and so there was that like opening, not opening, but like some point in the middle when we finally when Task Force X comes into the scope of the story we have harley quinn and deadshot who have been on many many of the teams um talking about like how this is the worst suicide squad ever and like (laughs) this team doesn't make sense and it's all about these like it's all about the team it's all about like who's on the team and like and that's like the running narrative of a lot of the book is like who's on the team like what team members are we gonna have what characters are gonna pop up like these are B, C, D level characters. They don't belong here. Like that kind of stuff. And I just thought that was really meta because it felt like someone talking about, like it felt like being in the writer's room and they're like, yeah, we're going to have Zebra Man on the team. Who the hell is like, that? What? Why? Why? This is the worst Suicide Squad ever. You know? <laughs> um, so I thought that was pretty funny. I kind of hope they keep the meta thing going up. About I agree. Like, oh God, here we go again. It gives you it know? a little bit of Deadpool flavor. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. I appreciate it. So. Next up, we've got Wonder Woman Dead Earth number one, uh, both written and arted. Ha <laughs> See what uh, I did yeah, there? Yeah, you brought it back. Daniel Warren Johnson. Um, I don't know that we're going to agree on this one. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. I really liked it. I think the story is awesome. Uh-huh. I am not really feeling the art on really? this one. Really? Okay, that yeah. surprised me to me because you liked Little Bird so much. I love it's very similar. It the art of Little Bird felt like it perfectly gelled with the like characters and the development and it gave it this like weird like youthful whimsy. But the art in this one feels like it's trying too hard to be a Frank Miller book. What? Frank Miller? Like Ew. like I know. Take your Frank Miller out of here. Like I don't know. I'm not. I don't love the How art do you get usage. Frank Miller vibes like, from this. I get it from like like his Xerxes stuff. Uh, still. I don't know. I just do. Okay. I just do. I really enjoy the story though, and I like where it's going. And and the art's not gonna keep me from reading it for sure. But it was not my favorite in terms of art. Okay, uh, I disagree because I have taste, and I think the hey. art is fantastic. Hey, um, yeah, I'm gonna hate. I am really impressed by this book. I think it's fantastic. It makes me kind of bummed that I skipped out on uh, another book that Daniel Warren Johnson did, which was Murder Falcon um, from Image. But, um. Yeah, wow, this book is just, like, the story's really, really cool. The layout of it is really, really cool. Uh, It just, 
if you're a Wonder Woman fan, like this is an absolutely epic book for Wonder Woman fans because it, you know, there's a part of the narrative that depowers her a little bit. So it like brings her down. Right. Um, but she still manages to be Wonder Woman despite like not being able to fly and being slightly weaker and stuff like that. Um, and it's just like, oh, it's such a good, like powerful, strong woman book. And, I mean, I love the art. I definitely agree that the art's not for everybody. Uh, because some people just really want, like, I want this to look like people. Or, like, I want this to look like it's a superhero comic book. I want it to be pretty. Yeah, and, that, and that's fine, like, if that's your style. But, you know, if you pick up this book and you look at it and you're like, mm, well, I don't know, this art doesn't really look like it's for me. Um, I highly recommend that you just, like persevere because it's it's a great story it's it's gonna be such the a cool, story is super good like i'm cool not story hating on the story overall. at all um and yeah it's like and i i really like dana warren's art i wouldn't compare it to frank miller i feel like that's the biggest insult you can give any artist um i did read one of his older books uh extremity and it also had it had kind of a similar feel to this and that it was like a lot of wasteland and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but he definitely does move in more of the, like, I don't know, kind of, I don't know how to put it. Like, not cartoony, but a little bit of more of a... Abstract? Po- abstracty, postmodern sort of acceptance of things like anatomy in the world. Yeah, okay. Stuff. I see um, that. Without being, like way abstract you know he's not like a jamie ma food or anything right. like that um but yeah he definitely you know has elements that are less like photo real less like anatomically correct um but his line works just so freaking cool and like the action in the book is so well drawn and feels very fluid and very natural um so it's just it's it's a great read. I highly highly recommend this one, and it's another one of those cool like magazine sized books. That's so, true, which um, I do love. That I love when they're like bigger and and more substantial. Like yeah. I feel like it's a heartier book. So I feel like I sometimes this is I don't know if this is just me. This is possibly just me because I'm a total klutz. But sometimes I get really nervous reading comics because I'm like, man, if I like shift wrong i'm gonna rip this book yeah and it it just stresses me out like i feel like reading comics has to be such a dainty experience so when you get these like these like black label books and they're like oh here you go this one's hearty and actually has a spine Mm -hmm. i'm like oh i can actually just read this and enjoy it and i don't have to be terrified that like a cat is gonna like jump on my lap and make everything the worst day ever Yeah. (laughs) yeah and um so yeah, this one's really, really cool. Daniel Warren Johnson did a great job. It definitely, you know, as T mentioned, and like I said, it definitely art-wise is a different step, like steps into a different direction than uh, a lot of the other Black Label things. Um, so it might shy some people away, but if you're one of those people, I recommend that you just take a look at it. If you're a Wonder Woman fan, too, there's no reason why you shouldn't be reading this book because it's going to probably go down as one of the like most definitive like stories for wonder woman yeah in terms of like that in terms of like dana warren johnson just gets this character and you can tell yeah um that he just understands like what makes wonder woman wonder woman like 
what makes her personality the way it is, why she does the things that she does. Oh, absolutely. Um, who she is at her core. He just gets it, and it it it's fantastic. It's it's worth a read. Uh, and the last number one that I wanted to talk about uh, this week, I don't have much to say, admittedly, uh, because of my storied history with this era of <laughs> Star Wars stuff. Uh, but they recently released Star Wars Rise of Kylo Ren number one, uh, written by Charles Soule with art by Will Sliney. Um, it was interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays into his origin, like okay. what, what his overall origin is. What we see in the book is we see him being confronted by fellow Jedi after the destruction of the temple. Okay. Um, him explaining to them what happened and then him leaving to go talk to Snoke. We also get a better look at the Knights of Ren oh, than cool. what we've seen so far. Granted, T and I have not seen Rise of Skywalker yet, so I don't know if there's any like Knights of Ren action. We're gonna going to see on it like tomorrow. Um, but we are introduced to this character named Ren who wields a red lightsaber. Um, it's super scarred all over his body and is effectively like the recruiter for the knights of ren um the preview for the next issue seems like it's going to take us back in time um and we're going to watch kylo and luke fight the knights of ren um so that could be interesting so you know potentially we'll find out more about them and where they came from uh, than what the movies have showed us already. Again, haven't seen Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. blah de blah um, But it's, you know, as far as origin stories for Kylo Ren go, it's not bad. Um, it seems to have the main issue I've kind of always had with this character where his motivations are just really hard to hammer down, to hammer home. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Because um, he, like... You know, he effectively kills off the Jedi and Luke Skywalker, and then he's kind of like, "I did, but I did, but eh, but when? Uh, so I don't know. Um, could do some cool stuff with this character if you're a Kylo Ren fan. Um, this is one that's not worth missing um, because it's going to be really deep into his origins. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Maybe the Knights of Ren will have some cool stuff going on and, you know, be an intriguing. Maybe this will be, like, an intriguing inclusion into the overall canon. Uh, but we'll see. Fair enough. So that was the end of our first issues from yep. last week. So now we're going to dive into – there were so many final issues of books this past week. It was insane. Yeah. And we're not even going to cover them all here. We're definitely going to do another um, honorable mentions that will include a handful more mm -hmm. um, that we just don't have time to cover today. But so. As well as a couple of number ones. In true. Honorable mentions that we just didn't have time to yeah, talk about. Yeah, there's just, there's not time. Um, so first, last issue. That's complicated mm -hmm. the first final issue that i wanted to talk about was harleen number three yep um wrapped up the harleen black label um steven can you can you say it i'm always worried i'm gonna say it wrong i i don't know if i say it right i say i think i've heard somebody 
tell me that it's just Stephen Cedric. Well, I like that. Stephen Cedric. Let's um, just go with it. But it's spelled like Stepan Cedric. Yeah, I don't. We'll just say Cedric. Fairly certain. Yeah, Cedric. Yeah, yeah. Cedric name. seems safe. <laughs> so, so yeah, art and written by Cedric. Um, Sorry, Mr. Cedric, your name is hard. Your name is hard. It's confusing. There's letters there that I don't understand how they work. But anyway, this book wrapped up the three-part Black Label piece. I loved it. I thought it was so good. Um, This book was already beautiful and interesting and a nice look into her past in a way that i don't think had really been done inherently yes um and i really enjoyed that the last book um did this really good job of running the parallel between her and harvey dent yes i thought that was awesome um because it does kind of give them more depth to play off of each other Mm -hmm. um and it and it helps kind of define two of the like most important rogues from the Batman gallery. Yeah. So like I don't know. I just thought it was really really clever, and it it's interesting to show. You know, we don't totally know how much Joker actually did kind of fall in love with Harley, mm-hmm. and how much he was just being a manipulative douchebag. Yeah. I um I maintain my opinion that I said on the first episode um to an extent for at least the first and second issue. So the first episode that we covered this um I made mention that it felt very fanficy. Uh it felt very uh like hashtag relationship goals Joker <laughs> Harley kind of you know what I mean really glorifying their relationship Right. romanticizing it um i think this issue did a lot to recover from that because she spent most of her time this issue talking about how much she wants to save him yeah she wants to save him she wants to rescue him she's gonna fix him she's the only one who came and so it's almost like her relationship and connection to the joker directly spun out of you know her professional outlook in a way um and she kind of in herself, like in her own motivations and her own preconceived notions, kind of trapped herself in this relationship as much as the Joker trapped her in it. And then with how it ends, without spoiling it, um, there is a scene like towards the very end where she's in uh, her like normal Harley garb. Yeah. She's like having a dream and she's in this normal Harley garb. She's talking about how everything after the final night before she, like, went from Harleen to Harley. um, How everything after that final night felt like a dream. And, you know, from that point on, she kind of went a little nuts. And you see in, like, various, like, glass boxes Harleen, like, trying to get out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that did a lot to rescue it in that, like, what was under the surface this whole time is that she had other things going on there was like a psychosis there as well and then it just took that like in very joker fashion it just took that like one bad day for stuff to just escalate you know i I mean mean, it's a really bad day it is a very bad day (laughs) like the thing i won't spoil it here but the thing that she does 
that uh, sets off her Harleenness is not it's 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 a big deal like and I appreciate that I I feel like in previous iterations there was a lot of oh well Harley like you said like Harley was gonna be crazy under the surface anyway but like at the same time the trauma that spawns from mm-hmm. what she does in this book that is almost like a solid catalyst yeah. for just well, tumbling down the hill. And yeah, she was made into more of a tragic character yeah. than what we've seen in the past. Yeah. You know I mean, like some of the previous kind of like hints to her, her origin story follow very much the way the like first bits of this book follow, where it's like, with the exception of this book, made her a little bit more like, I guess, made her feel a bit more professional, made her feel a bit more like frustrated um but in the past it's just been like you know new-ish professional psychologist falls in love with joker helps him break out is crazy now you know what i mean yeah um and then there's moments like in um you know in the suicide squad movie they dump her in chemicals as well so like that probably played into her being crazy you know right you know in the uh I think it's one of the maybe arkham origins there's like tapes you can find no it's probably just arkham asylum there's tapes that you can find about like all the different like uh inmates in arkham right um and there's one where you have i'm pretty sure there's one where you have like harley talking to the joker you know what i mean or yeah. there's like a few like a sequence of those um and it is effectively just like mark hamill charms harley and now she's his girlfriend you know what i mean yeah so it's always like in the past it's always just been like when they hint at it it's like she has this bubbling crazy gets charmed lets the crazy out and was just too weak to fight it in this one it's kind of more of a like it's full trauma really put together person this really like fairly strong fairly knows who she is like put together person person. has like a few years of just like traumatic shit happening culminating in one big night of like really really messed up stuff and just kind of like well that's not my life anymore you know she even mentions like that's that's it that's when harleen died like yeah that's over it's over you know and just gives in to this psychosis because of feeling like she's trapped and can't do anything else. It's interesting you know? because I felt like this iteration of Harley was a really good predecessor to the way Harley is in the White Knight books. Yeah. Um, the good Harley, not the psycho yeah. Harley. Um, because there is this relationship between Harley and Batman, which they do do in some of the more standard, um, like, canon stuff as well Mm -hmm. but there's just this relationship between harley and batman where like batman knows that she doesn't always feel the crazy she's not always in the bad side of things it's why she can do the suicide squad stuff like she she committed to this persona because she didn't really feel like she had a choice to not Mm -hmm. after everything that went down but he sees i think i think it's interesting too because it plays into this weird like batman wants to save harley thing yeah that they sometimes play with 
And the whole reason she is who she is is because she was trying to save Joker. Yeah. And there's there's that element of you can't save someone if they don't want to be saved. Yep. And technically, Harley kind of does want to be saved. And that's why yep. Batman has the effect. It has nothing to do with him or his capabilities. It has everything to do with her and whether she wants to or not. Yeah. I think this book adds a really interesting element to Batman and Harley's relationship, too. Uh, because Harley was there at Arkham because of a grant from Wayne Enterprises. Yeah. And Batman interacted with Harley a couple times. Yep. The in this book it was specifically he was uh interrogating the Joker and Harleen walks in and is like, What the F are you doing here? Get, Get out, out. <laughs> Get out of here, Batman <laughs> You don't belong here. Um <laughs> That was my Harley Quinn impression, it was spot on. That was um, accurate. Get out of here <laughs> I like her new accent. Yeah. You don't you stay away from my Mr. J. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, no. But, yeah, he... So, they've had this, like, past. So, like, he's seen her go from, like, bright, promising... Intelligent. Super smart, like, giving out awesome lectures about, like, the effect of trauma. And that was the... On empathy. You know, the effect of trauma on empathy, like, how at some point you just give up your empathy because it's just gonna hurt you too much to keep it you know what i mean yeah. and then he's like boom here's tons of money go help the joker so like he had belief in her he wanted to see her affect these inmates at arkham and we see her affect these inmates at arkham like she makes an impact on on poison ivy she makes an impact which on, was so clever yeah, makes an impact on poison <laughs> ivy which side note i really want cedric to do an ivy book because yes. his iteration of ivy was gorgeous like when they yes. dump that soil and she goes full ivy like yeah his the way he drew her <clears throat> outfit and the leaves and just her like it was gorgeous like it was it was yeah. beautiful so he could do like a really cool ivy book um but she made an impact on him we don't know about much about her impact on other people and she impacted croc enough that killer croc was like you're annoying i'm gonna eat you you know what i mean <laughs> so like she was doing her job really really well so she was good at what she did um so i really like that this book set up that kind of the tragic another tragic story in the background is that batman goes on to fight joker and harley for like years and like he knew what happened to harley and he you know knew that I mean? it was kind of his fault yeah yeah because he put um, her in that scenario, technically. Yeah. So, I yeah, I I think it's a cool book. I, I really like how it ended. I think the ending made up for a lot of the, I don't know, I guess, kind of nitpicky issues I had for the first two um, first two things. But it was, it was really cool. It was definitely really enjoyable. I would definitely suggest, if you're at all a Harley fan... Um, definitely pick this one up because and I think, um, it does so much justice to her. I think, and this is just me making a prediction, okay. but from what I've seen with like this book and with White Knight and um, I mentioned the holiday special like a week or two ago. Right, yeah. Um, and there was one in there with Harley. 
And she was like trying to help Renee Montoya have a good Christmas. Oh, that's adorable. At the end of it, she was like, you know, I used to be a psychologist. You can talk to me. And it was like a really like level-headed moment for Harley. Huh. I think there's going to be a push once crazy Harley stops being the like, this is how we compete with Deadpool. Once DC figures out, figures out like, oh, we can make a ton of money off of our Black Label stuff. Like we can make tiny money off of this once like harley stops being their kind of cash cow right i think we're gonna see a push for somebody is somebody's gonna sign on to do harley the harley book and they're going to sane up harley and that's gonna be the focus of the book it's like a sane trying to recollect her life harley because there's a lot of writers right now that are pushing that that would be that awesome kind of idea you know what i mean yeah of like this is sane harley you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or Harley's sanity is just below the surface. Yeah. Or, like, Harley is acting crazy as a coping mechanism. You know, like, that's a lot of the narratives that have been coming up. Yeah. So I really think some writer is going to get in there and just push hard enough for DC to be like, okay, try it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it, but I think it would be really cool if, they somehow made it in a situation because I think you're right. I think they're gonna sate her up, but I think they're gonna lean more heavily into her, um, her her psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be really cool if she reopened the place where they go, where the superheroes can talk. Oh yeah, the uh, <clears throat> yeah, the Haven or whatever. Yeah, I think it would be really cool because right now they're. There's a run going on that's Harley and Poison Ivy, mm-hmm. um, and Poison Ivy's having a really hard time because Poison Ivy, I, I don't know if you guys realize, but she died and then came back from like a piece of her, like a mm-hmm. plant piece, and she has come back wrong. Um, she's there mentally, but she can't balance her human side and the green. Hmm. She's she's like not okay, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because there's like other forces at play too because she goes to like like she gets a a device from like the mad hatter to try and like balance out her two sides and it works for like a second before the green like eats the device oh geez like the green is not happening the green's got a lot of stuff going on right now too because it just got the council of trees just got replaced by the council of flowers yeah and like there's this whole like turnover and swamp things not the guardian of the green anymore yeah and stuff. there's there's some rough stuff happening Floronic man is but um i have a feeling that ivy's gonna need to go off the grid for a while which when ivy's gone harley's not gonna have anything left mm-hmm. um and i think that's gonna mess with her because i think she's been putting on a lot more of the like i'm so cute mama mama Look at me, Mr. J, ah, voice and all yeah. of the crap. I feel like what's going to happen is that Ivy's going to go off the grid having to, like, handle the green and stuff. And Harley's going to be left alone. And she's going to be like, well, crap, what do I do now? And I think because all of this stuff happened from the the slaughter at that place, I feel like I could see her being like, you know what? Screw <laughs> it. I'm going to start it back up. That would be really cool. That'd be a cool read. I, feel like I would. Be I would cool be read. so here for that. Yeah, you have Harley going full like therapist mode. Mm-hmm. That'd be really cool. 
but i mean there's it's true there's tons of examples of writers right now doing like what if harley wasn't crazy or like what if harley's craziness wasn't what we thought it was because i mean the i forgot about this one when i gave out other examples but like there's even the joker harley criminal sanity thing where harley quinn is just a normal like criminal person profiler you know what i mean she's just she's not crazy she's like working for the cops harleen quinzel is just a profiler for psychos she's trying to track this serial killer named the joker you know what i mean and so like there's a lot of that discourse going on a lot of those narratives are popping up so i really think that's going to be the main harley narrative at some point i hope that's my prediction i hope it does she deserves she deserves a run where she's not cutesy jersey shore weirdness she deserves a change-up you know what i mean yeah. like she deserves a resurrection like just ha- you know you can a lot of people compare her to deadpool and there's a lot of like comparisons that can be made um and if you look at deadpool like in the past few years marvel has made him a hero back to a mercenary back to a hero again back to a villain again and back to a hero right but they've never really done anything because where he's just like out and out sane or his personality just takes a total shift. a total difference um because there's not really a lot of room for that with deadpool you know what i mean yeah and admittedly that would hurt your deadpool numbers yeah you know your deadpool numbers would take a hit gotta keep that deadpool Um, money and that's not including like ultimate deadpool or like the original iteration of deadpool (laughs) where he was very different like those are different things but like if marvel came out with a book like next year where it was like deadpool's sane and is super smart and is trying to become a multi-millionaire then like nobody would want to read that yeah it would lose a ton of deadpool fans But I feel like Harley, if you did a book where it was like, oh, I'm going to kind of like tuck the crazy stuff away and be like a sane, put together person and try to get my life back on track. That would totally appeal to an audience. Yeah, I think there would be a super audience for that. Oh, absolutely. Um, So moving on from that wonderful ending for Harley, Harleen number three. Let's move on to the absolutely bonkers ending of Doomsday Clock number 12. (laughs) It finally ended. Yes. You heard right, folks. Doomsday Clock is still happening. Two years later, we finally get an ending for this 12-issue many. My God. That's insane. It was was really cool. Like, I, I was worried that with the time it took them to get this series out, that it would be, uh kind of just bonkers um and watchman stuff honestly has kind of a bad habit of ending in strange ways um <laughs> but this one was really cool it uh you know finally had the confrontation between superman and dr manhattan it played on a lot of themes about like what makes dc great which is hope and like friendship and teamwork and all this stuff and it was you know overall like many of these endings they looked at like what their company like mission statement is and they laid heavily into that and it was good it was well done the crazy part about it Uh so you know dr manhattan's whole thing is like he can he exists kind of at multiple points in time yeah so whenever dr manhattan's narrating stuff both in the original watchman novels and in doomsday clock um and presumably in the before watchman stuff but i didn't read that um 
it's always like the time is it is now April 15th 1952 I'm looking at this person doing stuff you know what I mean yes um well after his whole like confrontation with Superman he realizes like because the whole kind of setup of this whole thing was that he felt a tug on this universe realized he can like tweak small moments and it changes stuff and that's what set off the like new 52 he like okay. tweaked some stuff and then like oh, new geez. 52 world happened and then he tried to correct it and like rebirth happened oh my god um and so like he's been developing this idea of a metaverse where like because of the instead of just a multiverse where like different choices deviate off there's also a metaverse where if he moves a piece a new earth happens huh um well huh he realizes so he there's a point in time he can't see past and it's the last thing he sees is superman so he's like superman's gonna destroy me or i destroy everything and he's like i don't know what happens so they finally get there superman starts like he watching superman fight like all these different super people and he's like i get it now i use the last of my energy to fix everything and so he does and because of that he starts narrating all the future shit that's gonna happen oh which and all stuff that currently happens which he lays out that earth 52 exists which means the new 52 universe still exists what and is its own earth oh my god um and some of this stuff like i read through it i don't read a ton of dc books regularly so some of this stuff might be old news it might be stuff that like happened in the side in of somewhere book, but yeah. as far as i know no one's laid out that earth 52 still exists yeah, and the new 52 is still out there that's nice so that's really ballsy uh so jeff johns went into this being like hey guys here's some stuff <laughs> in 2025 and i can't help but think that these dates so he lists a bunch of dates that are soon in the grand scheme of things because right. we're going into 2020 right um and i can't help but think that jeff johns isn't like this is stuff we actually have planned because he's jeff freaking johns he would he know. knows um <laughs> so there's going to be a crisis quote-unquote unlike any other in 2025 against time masters oh god uh earth 56 is going to be born in 2026 Superman and Bruce Wayne uh, are going to venture to find Bruce's lost daughter in 2026. Daughter? In in 2030, so 10 years from now, there's going to be something called a secret crisis. And in 2038, he kind of makes it sound like there's going to be a DC reboot. He's like, the whole thing starts over at 2038. What the fuck? At 2038, he shows Superman landing in the farm again and he's like the whole thing starts over in 2038 and then he some like crazy number like 2156 or something it happens again so like i think that's reference to like the company's rebooting but that's 18 years not impossible that dc could be like hey you know in two decades we're going to reboot this shit oh my god Um, i'm really interested to see like, I want to mark a cat. Like, I'm probably going to mark my Google Calendar because I imagine I'm still going to use my Google Calendar in 2025 to be <laughs> like, is 
there are a crisis happening is this happening you know what i mean in 2026 is earth 56 born you know because i would really it would be super cool if somewhere at dc offices there's a big board and it's like shit jeff johns said we have to do 2025 (laughs) this 2026 this because that's just it's so grand yeah and it would like right now it just seems like yeah whatever you know dr manhattan's talking shit um but like imagine in 2026 when we get the reveal of bruce wayne's daughter and everyone's like doomsday clark 12 predicted it you know what i mean like (laughs) or like in 2030 when there actually is a secret crisis that happens like a big event called secret crisis and we all harken back to this book 10 years ago that was like hey this was gonna happen like that's just gonna feel so freaking cool yeah it just feels very so uh, i really hope he actually like they actually go through with these things because like It'll feel really good. That was wild. Anyway, Doomsday Clock was really good. Um, I. It was hard for people reading the issues because it was coming out so slowly, sporadically. Like there were two to three to four month breaks between issues. That's insane. For this. It took forever. <laughs> um, so if you're like me and you managed to make it through all the issues, bravo. But if you skipped out on it because it was coming out slow or you just wanted to wait for the trade. And then maybe you forgot about it because it's been like two years or some crazy shit. Um, there will be a trade. There will be a hardcover coming soon. I highly recommend that you pick it up or you pick up all the issues uh, because it was a pretty cool read. It was pretty good overall. Nice. It was really intense. Uh, I think they got the Watchmen tone right. That's good. Um, they understood their characters better than some people do. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I think it was cool. It is somebody mentioned to me, and I thought this was funny um, yesterday. That it's funny that it took Doomsday Clock, Doomsday Clock, so long to come out that it couldn't have any span of time where it was the best sequel to Watchmen. Huh? Because yeah. the HBO show, HBO show is out, and it's apparently amazing. amazing. So like, they weren't able to get out before that. So they'll never be the best sequel to Watchmen. Aww, poor Jimmy I mean, and that's Clark. opinionated, admittedly, but from what I've heard about the HBO show, it probably blows this out of the water. <laughs> Fair. Okay. So next on the list of books that ended last week mm-hmm. is Strayed number five. Uh-huh. You got it? <laughs> You're going to be good? I <clears throat> cried profusely. Did the the thing we didn't want to happen happen? Worse than I could have. Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. It was... I... There are moments when you participate in media as someone who cares about something a lot. So, like, as a pet owner... There are moments in media, whether it's TV, movie, comic, book, whatever, that you just feel part of your soul ripped out of your body. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them. It was a wonderful book. It was a wonderful book. And the finale was fantastic. Like, don't get me wrong. This book was beautiful and clever and poignant and sweet and emotional and... You know, the good guys won. And mm-hmm. that's awesome. Like, yeah. this kitty and his mommy started a revolution. 
That's awesome. Mm-hmm. The whole last book yeah. is effectively a story about how it's it's just sort of a narration about how, you know, life is a journey and you go down a different path and then you have to change your mind and you go down a different path and that path ends and then you go down a different path until eventually the paths are done and mm. your story is written in the stars. Yep. And the mommy saved the kitty mm-hmm. so the kitty could save the universe. Mm-hmm. And then Kitty curls up in Mommy's lap. And then they're both in the stars. I'm okay. I'm not okay, but I'm okay. It was so beautiful. And they hint. I read it. Was he good kitty? He is a good kitty. <laughs> But um, it was fine. I read the ending discussion by the author who hinted that maybe this universe or whatever will get brought back. Mm-hmm. And, and technically, we don't know the kitty is gone. He could still be there to lead another kitty revolution. Mm-hmm. He's just visiting mommy in the stars. <laughs> I'm okay. She's holding it together pretty well, so you guys can't tell, but she's sobbing right now. I'm okay. It was really good. If you are an animal person, particularly a cat person, which I am, as you can tell, mm-hmm. this is a great book. It's short, it's only five issues. The art is beautiful. Carlos and Juan did a great job. We don't get a lot of books for pet people. You know, most Mm. comics, realistically, most comics are like human observation pieces. Like, you're observing human nature. You're observing the human condition. Uh So we don't get a lot of involvement from pets. Yeah. But this one we did. It was really good. Read it at your own risk. <laughs> he good kitty. Buy some tissues. <laughs> He's a good kitty. <sighs> this was a uh, how she acted when we saw the comic that was like the origin of Dexter. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, Dexter <sighs> is a Red Lantern in DC Comics who is a cat. He's abused. He has such a hard life, and he's such a good kitty. <laughs> I'm really glad we chose Strayed to be in the exact middle of the podcast. Because now you have to make it through the rest of the I'm podcast. Fine. Trying not to think about Strayed or Dexter. that's your fault. <laughs> Do you need to take a moment? No, I'm fine. <laughs> Do we need to I'm fine. walk away? All right, well, you have some time because I'm going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy number 12. Good. Talk about a raccoon. So this is the end of Donny Cates' and Jeff Shaw's run on 
uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and it was touted as being the kind of overall culmination of all of Donny Cates' cosmic stuff. So his Thanos run, his Death of Inhumans run, uh, his Guardians run, uh, did he do anything else? Silver Surfer Black, which, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it was going to be like, this was the culmination of all of that. From here, he's moving on to Thor. Um, Al Ewing is taking over Guardians of the Galaxy, which could be pretty cool because he's the dude who's doing Immortal Hulk right now, I believe. And oh, nice. So maybe he'll twist it up like he did that character. Um, anyway, for the most part, what I've realized, having read Death of Inhumans, having read uh, Silver Surfer Black, well, Silver Surfer Black's a bad example, um, having read absolute carnage is that donny cates subscribes to the jonathan hickman school of how to do like big stories in that jonathan hickman has that quote that he gave a little bit before house of x powers of x started coming out where he talked about how when you're writing for comics the best thing you can do is think of it like a toy box you get all your toys out and then when you're done playing you put all your toys back in the toy box and it was kind of this the overall message that people took away that i took away from it and other people took away from it is that jonathan hickman believes when you do a big story when the story's done the status quo should be back to where it was so that somebody so else that can somebody pick else up and can play jump in. the big difference being that jonathan hickman writes stories for like 10 years yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like Jonathan Hickman plays a long-form game with his stories, so at least it defines the status quo for a while, but then he kind of feels like, I guess he believes that you put them all back. And right. to an extent, Donny Cates subscribes to that <clears throat> as well. Okay. But I feel like Donny Cates is also very good at also, like, to keep with the metaphors, stealing toys from his friends and putting them in his own toy box. <laughs> and also, like he might randomly paint one of the toys a different color or like <laughs> break an arm off and put it back in you know what i mean hope nobody noticed Cause like i was thinking about it and i felt really like man you know all these stories that he did kind of just like went back to normal but they really didn't so oh. this one wraps up rocket raccoon's dying when we meet him oh um oh no got this like life support like mech like guns everywhere uh, but he okay. gets blasted out of that oh no and he like goes on to save the day and uh group he actually like group forms into like a mech suit at one point oh. um we get and this is super spoilery i'm sorry it's gonna be it's this is gonna be a spoilery discussion so if you don't like it skip <laughs> ahead um until you hear t talking more um because the next one's hers <laughs> if you hear T talking about Thor, then you're in the next segment. He'll probably be crying again. Probably be crying again. Um, so we get Drax back. Drax died at the end of Infinity Wars. Oh, okay. Um, he sacrificed himself, but we get Drax back, like full on Drax. But he's like old fashioned Drax. Like he doesn't look like new Drax. Like he looks like old Drax. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, Rocket Raccoon at one point climbs up into Groot, or Groot puts Rocket Raccoon into himself, and Groot becomes his, like, life life support mech. Aww. It's kind of cool. Um, and then at the end, Groot, like, uh, Rocket's just in the hospital being taken care of, and he's gonna come through. Turns out his, like, cybernetics were 
being rejected. Oh. But they can fix it. Oh. Um, so oh. he's going to be fine. Good. Um, I was going to cry again. The whole premise <laughs> the whole premise of this run. So the first run of like the first story arc was they were bringing Thanos back. And then that didn't pan out. Like Thanos got instantly killed. And it was like, okay, what was the point? Um, and then the second run was Peter Quill's dad from the future. Uh, traveled back in time with the I forget the name of the church, but it's the church that used to worship Magus. Okay. Um, travels back in time <coughs> in this giant like eldritch horror type ship. Oh jeez. And is trying to like consume enough souls effectively so that they can go back to their time and quote unquote defeat death. Okay. All right. Um, they're like brain. They it's have really the ability heavy. to like brainwash people and turn them against you know their friends and stuff like that. And they're trying to resurrect some sort of you know their their god, something that they worship. Well, the thing they worship, everyone's like, it's got to be Magus. It's got to be Magus. They go and they get like little boy Magus, who's like recently reformed and is hanging out with Gamora. Right. And they bring him, and it turns out to be Drax and like a bunch of Drax clones. Um. That's what gives us the cool moment where Moon Dragon, who is Drax's daughter, gets to like implant all of Drax's memories in like the lead Drax clone, and then we get normal Drax back. Huh. And it's kind of funny because he's all like destroyer. He's all like, "I will destroy you," rawr, and like very like heavy. And then uh, she implants all his memories, and he looks up at uh, Rocket, who's in the like Groot suit, <laughs> and he's like, "You look stupid." It's <laughs> just really funny. Um, but yeah, so they, they end up saving the day. Rocket, like, tweaks their machine and sends it back to the future, which we find out that the death they were trying to kill is actually the, like, King Thanos from Donny Cates' Thanos run. Oh. Um, so yeah, backtracking, going back to my original thought, there's this whole, like, kind of self-stroke moment in the middle of this book where it's, like, big splash pages with different artists of all the, like, cosmic epics that Donny Cates did so <laughs> splash page of Inhumans. It's actually um, Rocket's like, "Hey guys, what did I miss?" And it does all these splash pages like Thanos going to the future, fighting future <laughs> Thanos, introducing Cosmic Ghost Rider, and Death of Inhumans, and Vox is there, and like the resurrection of Thanos, and like Silver Surfer flying through time, and like all this stuff. Huh. And then it flashes back, and Beta Ray Bill's like, "Not much." <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was really funny but that's beautiful what I get is like even though these things kind of return the status quo to normal Donny Cates shook a lot of shit up and, yeah. and you know I didn't really get the effects of Silver Surfer Black until I read Annihilation Scourge um, where like Silver Surfer is intangible now he's oh, this wow. like black Silver Surfer he can still shoot blasts but he can't like touch things huh. and he has this new ability to like he can get inside people and like take a like oh, merge with them um and like the inhumans are in disarray vox is a thing now yep. and is in captain marvel making things complicated um, the kree are really shook up which is going to play into the stuff coming in 2020 um the uh you know and black bolt's super depowered the inhumans are on the run cosmic ghost rider exists thanos is still dead and uh what else there's something else else. i don't know i mean that's a lot yeah i mean that's a ton 
Um, That's a you lot know, of and stuff. we got Drax back in this one. You know, thinking of absolute carnage, like Noel is coming. Yeah. And it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, oh, and he killed off in Guardians, he killed off the entirety of the Nova Corps, except for Nova. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Okay. So it's like. That's a big deal. I'm like, damn, he actually did a lot, but it just was never his endings. His <clears throat> endings were never like, here's the next big thing. But like, during the book itself, he did a ton. Which is actually you know? a really clever way to do it, because it kind of makes it. It's a good way, this is kind of shady, but it's a good way to trick the editors. Like, True. like they're going to be looking at your final books to be like, okay, what'd you mess up? And mm. if you didn't mess anything up in the last book, they're not going to notice that you've completely changed things in, like, issue six. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, that's not so. what you notice. So I thought that was cool. Uh, I, it made me realize, like, the splash pages are when I really started to have the thoughts. So it was cool to kind of get a look back at all these different cosmic epics that he did. And be able to be like, wow, we actually got a lot from that that's playing a part in what's coming up. In other stuff, yeah. Um, Like, the status quo isn't as reset as it might feel. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. So. Okay. Are you good? Okay. I stopped crying. Yep. I'm okay. Yep. Now I want to talk to you guys about the end of Jason Aaron's run with King Thor. Are you going to cry for this one? baby oh no i'm okay oh no i'm gonna miss him so much <laughs> oh no <laughs> this issue was so long it was huge like this issue was massive yeah yeah it was like i feel like it was like i was gonna do a six issue mini and they were like you have to wrap it up in four and he was like well then issue four three issues bitch (laughs) and it's like okay so like it's huge and it's so epic and incredible Mm. and like he introduced in this the last issue he introduces characters or like reintroduces characters and gives them more depth and more importance and more value and like He's telling, like, six stories at one time. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's this weird interlude piece where, so, this was the funniest thing in the world. It's like Jason was reading it and was like, whoa, this shit's getting really heavy. I need to chill out for a minute. Because in the middle of the book, there's, like, this bizarre interlude where the um one of the guardians of history, he's like, the apprentice of the guardian of history or whatever mm. the god of history the god of stories whatever mm-hmm. he's he starts reading he like knocked all of the thor books off of the shelf and starts reading them and there's literally this like weird interlude where it's like thor cop detective and like thor is like officer of the the gods and like settling god deity disputes oh that's fun and then there's like another part that's a different type of movie genre and then there's like another part that's like a different movie genre and like it's so weird and so out of left field and like you don't really see it coming but at the same time it fits so well because jason's just like hey i'm gonna make this work and you're like you did how did you make this work it's super random like it's so bizarre but it's just so good and it just keeps going 
and the bad guys lose and loki sacrifices himself in nobility and like keeps the loki who all he wants is to watch everything burn he is the reason why the universe doesn't die oh he throws himself into the last surviving sun and keeps it alive by telling stories of thor <laughs> so I'm really glad that I okay. didn't get you the variant cover for this. Oh god. So there's a variant cover for this book that has Jason Aaron sitting at a computer like thinking like he's writing like cuz I guess that's how you pantomime writing. You're like, "Hmm." <laughs> uh, and all the Thor characters are behind him smiling and like watching him write. <laughs> And I pulled it up because I'm cruel. Oh, God. But it looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever had you cry on the cast before. So. Uh, uh, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. So. But it, so it ends. It's so nice because he's been writing Thor for so long. And he got on Thor accidentally. He was supposed to write something else. Oh, really? There was a period of time where, like, all of the big IPs kind of came up for grabs at once. Mm-hmm. And he was actually going to write something else. He wouldn't tell us what it was. But he was, like, set. And he was like, I'm going to do this. And then he started to write it. And he was like, I don't like this. This doesn't feel right. I'm not feeling good on this. And so he went back and he was like, what else can they write? And they were like, you're going to write Thor. And he was like, I don't read Thor. I don't care about Thor. He nails it, man. Like, and so he picked up Thor, and then it was just like, whoosh. The Thor stuff. I've never really been that into Thor, but like the Thor stuff. Whenever like it's Jason Aaron involved with Thor, so like in the Avengers and whatnot, it's just miles better it's than like so anybody. Good. Like Thor's characterization when Jason Aaron's at the helm is just so incredibly better than. And anybody it's because else can nail it. he. <clears throat> he used Thor. He he talked about it. He write, wrote this huge long letter at the very end of the book. And it's he he used Thor to process his own existence. Oh. So like That's deep. That's heavy. Like Jason is not a religious person. He's a, he's atheist. Mm. But like when Thor's doubting godlyhood that's Jason processing shit and like being a father and like all of these things like he used his own experiences to shape Thor and what it did and the reason why Jason Aaron's Thor is so good is because it made Thor people yeah like up until this point Thor had just been like oh I drink mead and swing (laughs) on the hammer and I'm funny but like he gave Thor flaws Mm -hmm. he gave Thor like struggles and internal turmoil and like the end of this book is thor realizing like wow i'm never gonna be the god that i thought i was going to be it's the end of time Mm -hmm. so i just need to be as good as i can be nice and like he to save the universe, he walks away. He saves everything because he loves everyone so much and loves, like, 
as a god, his entire thing is how much he loves his people and everyone and everything and humanity and survival. And then to save them, he walks away. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It's so deep. <laughs> and so it's good. good. Stuff. It's so good. <clears throat> and just like, you can just feel. It's one of those books where, like, you feel the love from the author through it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's how I felt about Squirrel Girl, too. Like, you feel when the author their lives have been changed by what they're writing and they love it so much and they love you through it. Yeah. And it's just like, oh. Yeah. Oh, you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Jason Aaron. <sighs> Thank you. For an amazing run on Thor. From from Thor the Unworthy yeah. to Jane Foster. Well, and you have a very special connection because Thor was one of the things that really got you into comics. It's absolutely true. Because you're, I don't know if we've talked about it much on the podcast, but you're a new convert to comics. Like, I got 2015. back. 2015. I've been reading comics since the 90s. I stopped sometime around college just because my college town didn't really have a good comic book shop. Um, I still kept up with trades and everything, but then I started working at a comic book store after college um, and got into it again just to kind of keep up with everything that was going on and be better at my job there. Um, and part of that was I started trying to get T into comics, and one of the first things I tossed at her, I was like, yo, Thor is a lady now, and I brought her, you know, Lady Thor number one. It's absolutely what happened. There were three titles that brought me into comics. Angela, Asgard's assassin. Yep. Uh, unbeatable <clears throat> Squirrel Girl, and Thor. Mm-hmm. And I am watching all of my books end yeah, and at the same time. Twenty nineteen, what the <clears throat> hell? <laughs> tearing up over Thor ending, and your best friends with Ryan North. So he will like, like, and and comment on our Twitter because yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, we don't we don't want to brag too much. We know we don't like talking about our, you know, critical success <laughs> on the podcast. But we've been, you know, commented on by Ryan North. It's and cool. you know, Aviation Jen liked one of our tweets recently. So yeah. just um you know just the message here is always believe. <laughs> it can happen to you. You just have to work for it. Yeah, just put in the and effort. And soon, liquor brands owned by famous people will <laughs> like your tweets. It's true. It's true, ladies and gentlemen. It's true. But yeah, um, the King Thor run is kind of independent of everything else. You really don't have to have read everything else. Yeah. Um, and it's a four issue, so it's super short. I mean, the last issue is aggressively large but yeah, yeah it if you're interested in knowing and seeing some of the most masterful voicing of a character of some of the most heavy deep themes of introducing humor in very deep dark concepts just pick up this book like mm-hmm. for real it's it's incredible like i'm i don't know what he's doing next i don't know how I feel about Donnie doing Thor. I don't love the way the new Thor looks when I'm trying to be I'm hoping that's a thing. I'm hoping there's yeah. like a like a 
it's just we've only seen the covers i'm trying to be open-minded you know so i'm hoping it's just there's there's a reason this is but but jason aaron's thor was one of the most incredible depictions of a character i've ever read in my entire life so just go pick it up do it just go do it it's worth it now wrapping up our bevy of endings and you know i was thinking about it it feels very appropriate that this episode being a large episode is mainly endings you know what i mean because it's the end of the year yeah this is gonna be our last episode before 2020 heck yeah um so it's kind of cool and there was just so many like we've mentioned endings of books plenty of times like we've seen plenty of books end, and so more often than not i feel it's kind of like out with a whimper not with a bang yeah um but there were a lot of really solid endings. There really were. You know what I mean? This it was a very week. emotional reading yeah. experience. This past and we're gonna week. cap this one off with one I was very excited about a, a another black label book, three issue book, um, that I was really enjoying. Uh, Batman Last Night on Earth. Oh yeah. So that one wrapped up. Um, this one's written by Scott Snyder with art by uh, Greg Capullo, um, and it uh wow it was just good yeah so it's we mentioned it in the beginning we mentioned it how it was just like an absolutely bonkers book and it remained so for very 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 long um like it just constantly was crazy um it was it was a lot admittedly there was a reveal in this book um namely the reveal of who omega is that was a smidge predictable like I it was kind of like okay yeah fine um but the coolest part and i think i said this about this book in the first issue the coolest part about this book is just how much scott snyder gets batman yeah you know like how much yeah. he just understands just inherently like, what makes batman batman it's not the capes it's not the cows it's not the shadows it's not the batarangs the batmobiles the robins it's not the rogues gallery it's batman's intentions is what makes batman batman the reason batman keeps doing what he does isn't because he's obsessively you know trying to make good on what happened to his parents it's not because of his trauma it's because he started doing it and then that just became his dogma his core and it's it's his intentions and his willingness to do so and the one they keep going back to is so the for those who don't remember how this book started it's this apocalyptic wasteland where effectively uh all the superheroes and like well a lot of the superheroes a lot of supervillains were killed off when one day lex Luthor got on and was like superheroes are lying to you we're all villains blah 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 kind of very similar to what he's doing in like year of the villain yeah and he was you know effectively like you know your world would be better off without super people and it blew up in his face a little bit because then people started like just murking every super person turned against everybody Um, including him yeah and it's very old man logan we see like twisted like future versions of all these different people as batman and the decapitated head of the joker in a jar 
which is the greatest elevator pitch in the world. Oh my God, it's um, so good. Like, could you imagine being in a boardroom and Scott Snyder sits down and they're like, okay, one sentence, what do you got? And he's just like, Batman and the decapitated head of Joker in a jar are going through a horrid wa- wasteland of disfigured mutations. Oh, and Joker's the narrator. Yeah, be like, sold! I'll take three. Um, <laughs> and, uh... You know, so we see all these twisted versions, and the story they keep going back to is, like, like right when the, like, fervor built to, like, a fever pitch, people started busting their, like, trying to bust their way into the Hall of Justice, and Diana was there, like, holding the door, like, no, they don't let them in, and then Bruce is, like, opens the door, like, let them in, you know, and it's, like, that hope and that intention to constantly, like, try to find a way to help see the best in, in people. the absolute worst moments and it's it's almost not even that he sees the best in people he just always wants to be in the middle of it trying to fix it yeah trying to work it out and it's that intention that makes batman batman yeah batman who he is it's why he's just a normal dude because like think about batman his money you know his brains his connections yeah he could have been super powered at any point in time. But that's not what he wanted. You know, I mean, hell, at the end of Tom King's Batman run, he hands, like, platinum kryptonite to Gotham Girl. And it's like, this will make you super powered forever. <laughs> and, like, he could have figured out how to use that on himself. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Hands down. Like, and been like, now I'm super Batman. You know? But he doesn't want to. Because being human is his superpower. It's because it lets it. him get right in the middle of stuff yeah and just fix it from within and like that's his that's what makes batman batman and they really hit home on this the only problem if there is a problem that i have is that uh as hilarious as it is they eventually put joker's head on like a robotic robin body i thought that was great and then joker just becomes robin and it was funny and it was great but like at what point do Wonder Woman and Batman go, wait a minute, you killed a bunch of people. <laughs> it's like, beyond that, though. Like, I know that was a long time ago, but you're still a mass murderer. We're not going to be okay with that. You know? I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on all of the things you've said. I also just want to shout out to how badass Batgirl mama batgirl oh yeah and her daughter is how how do i get how hold on how do i get a run of the two of them just like kicking ass taking names that's what i want that's i need this in my life how do i get this matriarch barbara and her daughter were really badass they were so cool daddy grayson this is so cute was really Ah, nice i love the whole family just go let me have this bat family we're never gonna get a bat family with bruce he's too much of a butthead very similar to, <laughs> you know, how I felt um, in the Wonder Woman Dead Earth with how Daniel Warren Johnson just kind of gets Wonder Woman. Um, Scott Snyder just, he just knows how to write Batman. Like, it's a yeah. shame that we don't have more Scott Snyder Batmans. Agreed. With, like, all the arguments going on online right now about, like, was Tom King a solid Batman writer or not? Is James Tennyan a solid Batman writer or not? You know what I mean? Like, right. we really just need more Scott Snyder Batman. I agree. Like, at the end of the day. And I immediately 
didn't keep up with Tom King's run of Batman. I haven't read much James Tenian running on Batman. Um, so I can't weigh in on either of those. Right. Um, I've read stuff from Tom King and really liked it. I think he's a I've solid writer. i read stuff from James Tinian and I really liked it. James Tinian. Tinian. Really like it. But it's tough when you're doing one of these very, like, in the center of the, you know, scope characters. So, like, your Supermans and your Batmans and your... I mean, we've had conversations on here about how Brian Michael Bendis may or may not be the best at writing Superman. You know, Brian Michael Bendis, great writer. But maybe he just doesn't get Superman as much. Um... But then he gets the Legion of Superheroes really well. <laughs> yeah. By your own account. It's so weird. So, <laughs> you know, so you can be a solid writer and maybe just not be the best fit for a character. And that's the tough part because those characters have so much history. I've already been defined by who they are, what makes them who they are. So that if you deviate it from it too much, then you catch a lot of flack. Flashback to uh, All-Star Batman where Batman says things like, I'm the goddamn Batman and stuff like that. And everyone was really like That's not how that angry works. about it because he tried to take a chance and it was weird. <laughs> didn't you know what I mean? Frank Miller tried to change it up in all-star Batman and Robin and tried to change up who he was. And he had, you know, Batman doinking black canary and, being like really aggro and boisterous and it just it's about understanding the nuances and the the intention behind a character yeah because like like for instance thor got changed a lot by jason aaron like there was a like he at one point was unworthy but the emotional depth and the motivations and personality traits behind Thor were consistent. Mm -hmm. They were there. They were amplified and turned up to 11, but it made sense. Yeah. And if you understand the the real baseline of a character, you can do that. If you don't, then you end up with the goddamn Batman. <laughs> and that's the thing with Scott Snyder. I just think he gets the character. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he gets the other characters as much. Like, you know, he's doing Justice... He did Justice League for a bit. I don't think he's doing it now, right? Is he off of Justice League? I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. Um, you know, he took over Justice League for a bit. And um, he's been doing that. And he's it's been fine. Like, his stuff on Justice League was fine. And, like, when he writes Batman stuff and the other characters make an appearance, he's fine with that. Like, he's a solid writer. Like, he's a good writer. And he definitely gets the dc superheroes and like the main dc pantheon right but like his ability to just i think understand batman better than like many writers have in the past is just really solid yeah like i think batman sometimes gets really narrowed yeah in scope um kind of similar to how wolverine is like batman's just a fixer he's just that guy that's gonna like always persevere and like <laughs> you know some people write him as like his main motivation is very captain america it's just like i refuse to quit you know what i mean some people write him where like i said he's like wolverine where he's just very like i'm gonna no matter what sometimes he gets written as like almost this like conceited type character yeah. where it's like i'm the only one that can fix it because i'm batman yeah 
But the the glory of Batman is that he understands that the problems are never surface deep. They're always deep in the thick of it. And his abilities are that he can get in there and get it done. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, Superman can solve a lot of problems in Superman's own way. And he's smart. And he's, you know, fast and strong. And, like, he's got a lot going for him and can solve many, many problems. But his ability, like get underneath the filth and underneath the film and really like fix it from in out and things are always you know? so black and white for superman it's like, he yeah. doesn't see the gray the nuance well it's like superman is a vaccine and batman's an antibody yeah batman's in it and he's gonna fight it from within yeah you know what i mean it's a good point and his resolutions will spread from that <laughs> and i think that's just like it's not put on paper enough but like scott snyder just gets it yeah you know. absolutely so okay to close it up um we are going to give you a little bit of a preview of stuff that actually comes out tomorrow we were lucky enough to get our hands on kind of some sneak previews of stuff that comes out tomorrow from marvel um however because uh we don't want marvel shutting us down i can't give you too many details so i'm just going to give you kind of quick little tidbits about these things so the first one is incoming number one this one again if you've been reading for a few months you've seen advertisements for this uh it promised a death of somebody in the marvel universe and i think there's been like one of the big quotes was like one will unite them and stuff it effectively is it harkens back to when they did like what was it marvel uh legacy or something but it's one of those big thick ten dollar issues that effectively is just a preview of stuff that's coming okay so stuff that's coming up in 2020 a lot of exciting stuff like they hinted at a lot of exciting stuff with the big event that they're hinting at i think starts in april um and it's called like a4 empire oh um okay it's gonna play heavily into the scrolls and the kree it's gonna be a big cosmic crossover event Ooh. um and it's promising to really like shake Shake things up up. yeah uh next we have dr strange number one so recently dr strange got his hands fixed oh so he made a deal with a devil Um, oh god don't do that we saw what happened when peter made a deal with mephesto and his hands are fixed so he's going back to doing surgery so he's now living a double life between being the mystical protector of our universe and also being like the best neurosurgeon in known to man uh it's really cool because it shows i think it in its own way it shows kind of an overall culmination of dr strange's journey because when we first see dr strange he's like oh you couldn't afford me (laughs) and like then goes and gets into a car accident and can't do surgery anymore um and now he's doing surgery kind of like for people who really need it oh that's um, nice while also doing mystical stuff feels like it's going to play into kind of an overdone superhero trope of like i'm leading a double life and that leads me really leaves me really tired you know yeah and there's something going on behind the scenes but for the most part the first issue's a very kind of normal superhero start which we don't really get from doctor strange books much usually doctor strange books play way into the you know mystical and fantastical side Um, but this one feels very much like just the first book you'd expect out of any sort of cape um so that was really cool and then finally peter porker's spectacular spider ham comes out tomorrow (laughs) 
yes. Um, Okie dokie. My two, t- my two takeaways are that Spider Ham's a dick. Oh. Um, and no. The other animals sure do know a lot of ways to prepare pork. And it makes me wonder if in his universe people still eat pigs. I'm uncomfortable with everything you've like said. Like at one one time, Captain America, who's I don't know his animal name, he's a cat, so I'm assuming it's Captain America. Or maybe Captain Amiawaka. Anyway, oh, I like that one. Um He tells him to stuff an apple in his mouth. Oh. And then Squawkeye. Oh my god. Who is a bird. And they could have just called him Hawkeye anyway. Maybe he's um, not a hawk. <clears throat> well, that's his problem. Uh, <laughs> gets mad and is like, somebody dig a pit and get some banana leaves. I'm going to luau this pig. And I'm like, they sure do know a lot of ways to prepare pork. Yeah. And that's disturbing. It that makes me wonder if pigs up. in this universe are some sort of like subjugated race that occasionally get eaten that's, by the other animals. That's or giant. are they eating all kinds of animals? Is it like... You know, you're sitting around at the cow Thanksgiving table, and it's like, where's Aunt Marcy? Oh, Aunt Marcy got enlisted. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is just... This, it's, it's weird. It's kind of weird, weird and but, uncomfortable and icky. And also, why is he a, why is he a jerk? Uh, he's just a dick. I he's know. very, like, self-centered and, like... No, kind but, of a pain in the ass. But he was so nice in the movie. He was, but he's kind of a dick. I don't want him to be. I want him. He like to went be off nice. and did Web Warrior stuff and like jumped around the multiverse and saved the multiverse. And so now he thinks he's better than everybody. Ugh. Effectively, is what it is. Oh, good. So he's so. a spider person. Yeah. He's also um. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. His whole Sorry. origin is that he was he was a spider living in may porker's house right uh-huh and she tested out some sort of she was a scientist tested out some sort of experiment became irradiated bit him he then turned <laughs> into a pig but retained his like spider powers okay but he's not related to may porker oh. but he lives in her house as this like disgusting reminder of a time when she became like an irradiated freak i i don't and like steals her food and stuff. I'm uncomfortable. With and she's like, "Hey, book. Pete, when are you gonna move out?" And he's like, "No, I'm never gonna move out. I like it here. <laughs> it's messed up." I don't love. It's fun read. <laughs> I, don't, and I don't love this book. He's back to dimension hopping by the end, so okay. it could be cool. But okay, uh, fair enough. So those are three Marvel books coming out tomorrow. Marvel, don't sue us. <laughs> hey. There are places online that talk about books before they're out. That's true. Uh, yeah. We just pretend we're CBR. Um, <laughs> I mean, pretend real hard. Because <laughs> we have better discussions. Um, oh, God. Take that. Shots fired. So anyway, incoming Woo-hoo. Doctor Strange and Spectacular Spider-Man. Spider-Ham. All have issues coming out tomorrow. Yes. Um, you may notice that I didn't talk about. There's also the first venom issue that takes place in the venom sets up the venom island story arc i didn't talk about that one because i honestly couldn't say anything that wouldn't be spoilery and it feels wrong to spoil it before it's out on shelf so that one also comes out tomorrow and i recommend it um definitely pick that one up as well as various various other things but it's going to be a light week tomorrow especially compared to the previous week because i think 
there's like what six marvel titles coming out tomorrow no dc titles <laughs> uh image has like five she's louise or something you know what i mean so it's gonna be tiny so your shop's gonna have so your wallets will have a nice break oh thank god because so. last week was impressive so anyway, that does it for our extra super-sized, giant-sized, 100-page, spectacular, Marvel Now, new, all-new, all-different cover bees, spectacular special. Are you done? Yes. So that was our super-long episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to CB Sabolsky that. <laughs> I liked it. It was uh, legit. We good. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on Christmas. Yep. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Super long, super action-packed, super meat crying multiple times. Yeah, hey, first time crying on the podcast. Oh. Did it twice. It was good. It hurt. I'm you, so... you good kitty. Uh, uh, stop. <laughs> All right, guys. If okay. you want more Cover B, you can check us out online at CoverBPodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at CoverBPodcast. If you want to find previous episodes that we've talked about stuff in, you can do so at our website. Um, you can also find all of our honorable mentions, which are us listing out stuff for your eyeballs instead of your ear holes. Ooh, it's true. Ooh, and, and we're, we're going to have, have few, another one yeah. of those, too. We're going to have a few from this week because uh, there were a few number ones and a few, you know, wrap-ups wrap ups that we just didn't have time to talk about, so... Uh, get out there have some have a wonderful Christmas uh, if you celebrate Christmas if you don't celebrate Christmas still have a wonderful day uh, whatever you're doing today I hope you get to spend it with people that you care about that's right if you don't have access to people that you care about then just focus on yourself take some time for you and just make sure that today feels good and feels right so wishing you and yours a very merry holiday and a happy new year and we will see you next week yeah, we will see you next year Ooh! for more cover, cover B. B. bye everybody